Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Ah, welcome to It Could Happen Here, a podcast where myself, Garrison Davis, and James Stout just created a new soon-to-be-beloved fiction character, racist (laughs) Sherlock Holmes. And don't worry, we're not done workshopping it. It's not ready to go public yet. But when this bit drops, you people are going to lose your minds. Oh. How's everyone doing today? Much better after learning about racist Sherlock Holmes. Uh huh. After and yeah. no, he we didn't learn about him. He burst fully formed from our heads like Athena from the brain of Zeus. Ah, good stuff. Um, speaking of the Greek and Roman pagan pantheon, James Garrison. You know who does kind of have the feel of a of an a malevolent spirit in Greek mythology is Ron DeSantis. Yeah, not wrong. Mm-hmm. Sure. sure. Yeah. Meatball Ron. Malevolent Ron, that's what they call him. After yeah. all my years study, studying the papyri, this is, I, I can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Meatball Ron. I, I'm going to, I have a, a long essay on my sub stack about how Meatball Ron and the Egyptian deity Ma'at are a, uh, are really uh, uh, directly related to one another, um, but that that that'll that'll you can find that on my Substack, uh, my Egyptology focused Substack. Yeah, he's not. Uh, what's his, what's the god of the sun? The the god of the sun disc, the one they tried to do a monotheism for. Oh yeah, that isn't that Ra? Yeah, yeah. That, Ra, that, 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 that one pharaoh tried to. Sure, it's Ra. Yeah. yeah, I can see no. DeSantis seeing himself in those terms. No, Maat uh, uh, like I, Ron I, DeSantis. I think DeSantis is, is more of like a Horus figure, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, no, because Ma- Maat. Here's the thing: Maat has wings, uh, and Ron okay. DeSantis is currently flying over us, uh, shading us all in the comfort of his of his mighty Technicolor wingspan. Um, I'm seeing Maat. Maat looks. There's too many colors in these in these in these wings. Like, I don't know. I don't know why we got onto a comparing Ron DeSantis to. This was a mistake. Anyway, <laughs> Garrison, you just <laughs> last week we closed out on two great episodes about uh, Fash Wave and uh, the adoption uh, and kind of reposting of a lot of these aesthetics that had become popular on the far right um, via you know the the dark Brandon memes. 
Um, and a big part of that was how Ron DeSantis somehow allowed some incredibly internet poisoned Zoomers to um, make an ad for him that was far too online uh, for a presidential campaign ad. And I felt like it was time to kind of have a discussion about Meatball Ron, because obviously things in Florida are very ugly right now. As a fascist, which he definitely is, Ron DeSantis is an effective administrator, uh, yeah. by which I mean he's good at twisting the administrative uh, state that exists into a weapon to attack marginalized groups. He's been effective at that. Um, what's happening legally, you know, in in the laws, you know, the, a lot of the anti-trans laws, the anti-drag laws in Florida is very frightening. What he's been doing to the Florida education system, state education system, is very unsettling. Um, and you know, that is a, all of that is worthy of further discussion. But I think because the most immediate concern we have is like, is this guy going to be able to do that on a national scale? Right. Which is not to say that we should just let Florida, you know, uh, sink into the abyss. I don't believe that. But at the moment, Ron DeSantis is tied for second place against Donald Trump. Um, so it kind of, it, it behooves us to ask the questions purely for the purpose of self-defense. Can Ron DeSantis win? Right. Could he actually become not even the first question is like, could he become the Republican presidential candidate? Can he beat Donald Trump? Um, and the short good answer to that is, I don't think so. It's not looking good. Not looking yeah. good for old meatball, Ron. Agreed. And I wanted to get into why and kind of some of the fundamental flaws as a as a guy who is there was kind of this belief, fear, I think a reasonable fear among a lot of liberals and folks on the left that because of how effective he's been at consolidating and expanding his power in Florida, uh, and because he's generally seemed like less of a, like, Donald Trump has certain competences as an authoritarian. There's things he's very good at, but he was not good at being the president. He was not good at using power. He's he not an effective too much of, fascist in a lot of ways. He's not an effective fascist, right? Like, he wasn't good at picking people to, like, do things for him. He wasn't good at, he was good at hurting people in a blunt way, but he was kind of incompetent at re like an, a competent fascist, like Hitler was a competent fascist, right? He was not in there long in an elected position before he had effectively made it impossible to oust him without military force. Um, and, and Trump was never good at doing that stuff. And the worry is that Ron DeSantis would be. The good news is that Ron DeSantis is incompetent as a politician and a political candidate. So I wanted to kind of start with why a lot of his the people who do form his base, which is quite shrinking at the moment, his, he's losing a lot of support. Why they thought he was capable of winning the primary and the general, and when you when you look into kind of why a lot of sort of Republican like legacy Republicans, the folks who often get called rhinos, why a lot of them decided to back uh, Ron DeSantis. The best summary you're going to get comes from Phil Huffines, who is a a businessman in Texas whose car dealership ran a series of ads that are like plastered forever in the memories of everyone who lived in the DFW area in the late 90s, <laughs> early 2000s. And in a CNN interview a few days ago, he said this, when one looks objectively at who can beat Biden, it's going to be DeSantis. We already had a match with Biden and Trump. Trump turns out Democrats better than anybody. DeSantis will be able to articulate more clearly what Republicans stand for, and he's not going to be bogged down in other stuff that Trump brings to the election. I don't think that was an illogical thing to think a year ago. Right. Uh, because it is true that Trump turns out the dims. Um, the idea that like DeSantis isn't going to get bogged down in shit has become kind of fundamentally silly. Like 
he's gotten bogged down in the fact that a lot of his, you know, backers are invested in culture war shit that does not sell well on a national level. This whole like anti-trans crusade he's on, the anti-woke shit, is not a big vote getter. It just gets the base behind you. And like you're never gonna beat Trump in a race to the base, you know? Trump has the core of the hard right Republican Party in his pocket, and they're not gonna like move on from anybody. DeSantis's hope should have been like going after independents, people on the edge, people who were like unhappy with Biden. And I think when you pick this sort of like hate crusade, it hasn't worked well. But Huffines decided that like, yeah, this guy, this is the dude who has a shot. Uh, I think he can actually like pull it out from from Trump. I think he's got the ability to like get a lot of people in the middle or close to the middle. Um this has been proven kind of uh, absurd over the last couple of months of stagnating poll numbers. Huffine says that the governor recently held a meeting with about 150 Texas Republicans in Dallas, where he, quote, impressed them with his stamina, youth, and performance uh, in recent Florida state elections. And there's a number of reasons to think that this is a bad strategy, that like really laying on his performance in the last Florida election is like a good way for him to win support. One of these has to do with the fact that like Florida is the natch the national watchword for crazy, right? Like like the rest Florida of the country. Man. E- yeah, even yeah. a lot of conservatives when they're talking about like madness in America, they talk about Florida. Like Florida man is an archetype. Um and like yeah, there's a lot of right-wing culture warriors who like Ron's anti-immigrant and anti-LGBT policies, but moderates and swing voters, the people he has a chance of pulling away from Trump, like if you tell them I want to make New Hampshire more like Florida, most swing voters are going to be like, that sounds like hell. <laughs> like, I don't want to be anything like that place. Like, what a horrible, what a horrible idea. Um, this is a sentiment that you will find among Republican thought leaders. Quote, one Republican consultant who has worked on presidential campaigns said DeSantis was t- making a classic governor's mistake by talking extensively about his past accomplishments. Yeah. Put bluntly, people in Ohio or Iowa do not want to be Florida. They don't care about Florida, and they are tired of hearing about Florida. Um yeah, because he's he's so reliant on the types of coverage that have come out uh, during the past two years of legislative stuff he's done in Florida, and he's I guess forgetting the overall uh, view of that people have of Florida, divorced from his own administrative uh, changes. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not like people are moving in droves to Florida because he's defeated the woke menace and he's created a paradise. Like, yeah, it, 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 he's getting high on his own supply a little bit. He's getting high on his own supply. It's one thing, there's a degree of his campaign that's focused on like what he calls like the Florida miracle, the fact that Florida economically weathered COVID pretty well. And again, this would be a stronger point if like Florida's economy was booming and everywhere else was bad. But the US economy overall, in terms of like the numbers that, you know, economists care about at least, is like, doing reasonably well and yeah. like of the shit that is bad in the u.s economy it's not any better like inflation is not better markedly better in florida than it is in iowa right there's just not a good case to be made because like when you're not when you can't really drive the economic point home when you can't be like look at how much better florida is doing than your home you know it's a it's a fucking paradise compared to the you know shitty economy in ohio it, that's an argument you can make if there's any evidence for it but when you're like you can't really make the economic argument. It all comes down to culture war stuff. And most Americans don't want this culture war shit going on in their backyard because it's like a gross, weird pain in the ass. So right now, the bulk of DeSantis's support comes from higher income old guard Republicans, the kind who were lukewarm for Trump from the beginning um, and the kind who point out rightfully that he didn't win against Biden and it's time for new blood. 
This is true, but current polling indicates it's not what most GOP voters want, which is kind of the big problem the Republicans have, is that, and this is why Trump's definitely going to win, you know, as the the primary campaign, is that, like, the hardcore of the GOP cannot be overcome by the moderates, because the, the, the hardcore is so in lockstep about what they want, and what they want is Trump. Um, the moderates don't have control of the party. Um, but the moderates are the ones who can like actually win a general election. So yeah, it's it's a tough situation for them to be in. Um, and one of the things that kind of shows how fucked Ron is, is that like Ron won re-election in Florida in his last gubernatorial campaign by about 20 points uh, a year or so ago. In Florida, Trump currently has a 20-point lead on him. Not great. Not great. No, yeah, yeah. that's a disaster. Like, because again, not only like should you be able to bring in your home state as a sitting governor, but like it shows that Ron is not popular because of his legislative achievements. He's popular because Florida is just that right wing. Right. Yeah. Like that's like currently uh, like the electoral state uh, or status of Florida is very conservative. And so Ron won by an overwhelming margin. But that doesn't mean people love him. They definitely like Trump more than they like him. Um, bad situation to be in. And a number of early backers in DeSantis's orbit have begun to acknowledge this reality. I'm going to quote from NBC News here. Yeah, there are a number of people grumbling about it, no doubt, a DeSantis donor said. There is an overall sense, including with me, that he just has not ignited the way we thought he would. Um, and I find that really interesting because you get versions of that a lot that like we were expecting him to really take off as soon as he started campaigning and he hasn't. And that was our only strategy. You get this and like if you read interviews with like folks who were in the DeSantis orbit and people because a number of his early backers have like peeled away and rescinded their their endorsements and given them to Trump. It was this this hope they had that like. Once, as soon as he's out in front of America, Americans are going to love this guy because he's all the good stuff about Trump with none of the baggage. And that was just fundamentally disastrously wrong. And I think one of the things we're starting to see is that the DeSantis people didn't have another plan for how to get this guy elected. Like their plan was that we think that Trump's policies are popular, but everyone doesn't like Trump. And no, that's actually not <laughs> yeah. accurate. The opposite of true, almost like some of them just like Trump as a as a person. Yeah, a lot of them don't care about what he's done. They like the fact that he owns the libs, right? They're not he's thinking about it. He's he's a compelling character. Yeah, and DeSantis yeah. is a void of charisma. He he yeah. is he is not a compelling character. He's actually like he's good at being like an administrator in like like yeah. he's like he, he's very successful in doing bad things yeah, right? he's a guy you um, make your chief of staff if you're exactly. the president or something yeah yeah right? yeah he's not like so. a he's he's not a compelling character like the way trump is no and it's it's again it's so fascinating to me it says a lot about like the degree of bubble that all of the political class are in. And when I say the political class, I mean the people, the fairly small number of people in the left and the right, liberals and conservatives, who work on political campaigns, right? Because it's actually a pretty small community of people, of the folks who do the different jobs that are running political campaigns and that are like working as the age and legislative assistance and all that stuff for for elected leaders. And and because to me, to just a guy sitting out there, like I'm worried about Ron because what he's doing in Florida. But from the moment I saw the guy speak, I was like, well, this man has no charisma whatsoever. And if you can't think about like how a guy could attract voters, if there's nothing that seems appealing about a candidate to you, if you can't understand their charisma, 
that's probably a good sign that they can't get elected. I am not mystified by why any president who has won in my lifetime won, right? George W. I've been in a room with George W. Bush and watched him spoke to, and it immediately made sense why people fucking love George W. Bush. He has an he had an attitude. He had an air that put people at ease. He was good at putting on a character that people found appealing in that time and place. There's a reason why so many voters who loved him, you know, especially after the first campaign where it was kind of a... <laughs> uh, but, like, there's a reason why he got reelected. Like, there's... And it's the same thing with, like, uh, Bill Clinton, right? You watch uh, old videos of Bill Clinton on the campaign trail before he was president... He, you can see the charisma. You can see the way he connects to audiences. You can see the things about him that people find appealing. There's not a mystery. It's not mysterious why Obama got elected. He's a deeply charismatic man. And, uh, you know, Joe needed a little bit of help. Uh, that's why he lost so many presidential campaigns beforehand. But next to Donald Trump, he seems like a a a a, a much more appealing person. Like, I'm not mystified. And I'm not mystified by why Trump got elected. Next to Hillary Clinton, Trump felt not like a politician, not like the same people who would let us down. There was this this degree to which, like, you should never be, you should, if you're looking at, like, whether or not someone can win an election, you should never be like, well, I don't get it, but I guess maybe they have, they, they must have some sort of charisma because everybody's talking about them as a serious candidate. No, I, honestly, if you can't see anything about appealing about a candidate, then that might be a good sign that they're they're doomed. And I think DeSantis is fucking doomed. And this is kind of a thing that a lot of his uh, his early backers have started to realize. One DeSantis-aligned operative told NBC, from my understanding, if we don't see a bump in the polls, we're basically going to shut down the idea of a national operation. This is really something that like, we're probably going to see. I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of has a blowout politically pretty early in the um, the primary season next year. Because he raised a lot of money earlier in his campaign. He raised about $20 million or so between mid-May and the end of June of this year, which actually put him ahead, fundraising-wise, of Trump by about $2 million or so. But the Trump campaign ended last quarter with twice as much cash on hand as Ron, alongside a still dominating lead in the poll. So Ron has raised a lot of money, which kind of speaks to the number of sort of like Republican, you know, institutional backers who hoped that he could win where Trump had failed, but he blew all that shit and it didn't get him anything, right? Like he didn't raise a, like he, 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 he crept up a teeny amount in the polls, but he's still like tied for second with Donald Trump, um, despite blowing all of that money. And I think we're going to reach a point pretty quickly where if he doesn't immediately take, you know, a state or two or three from Trump in the early primaries, any kind of hope he has for further donations is going to dry up because, like, why would you keep wasting that money? We all saw how much money got wasted trying to take Trump out of the primaries in 2016. I do think people are going to be a little more gun-shy this time. Um, there have already been a number of recent layoffs of major staffers by DeSantis. He's kind of purged a big chunk of the people who started his campaign. One of the things that's a little interesting about him and his political career is that as a politician, he has always been kind of noted as kind of weird within Florida politics because every election he's had, he's had an entirely new team of people. He does not work with the same people twice. He does not have, like, bring people back for his campaigns, which is really unusual in U.S. politics yeah. for a successful politician. When you win, you tend to bring him back a lot of the same people who helped you win the last time. And so the fact that Ron doesn't do that, that he's like got such basically 100% churn in his teams suggests a couple of things. One, he's not great to work with. And two, 
the people who work with him and have been successful and are good don't see him as someone with national potential, right? They don't want to keep working with him because then they get kind of trapped in the loop of being a DeSantis guy. They want to move on somewhere else because they think governor is as high as this guy can go. You know, like that is kind of one of the things that you see when you note this dude has such total turnover in his fucking teams. Now, again, for all of the money that he spent, Ron's polling numbers have changed basically nil from when he announced his candidacy. Uh, According to New York Magazine, kind of collated a bunch of this together. In the Real Clear Politics average of polls starting July 1st, 2022, Trump had a 34-point lead over Ron DeSantis and 52.8% of the vote in national surveys, with DeSantis at 18.5. At present, uh, he's got... Uh, Trump's lead over DeSantis. So a year ago, Trump had a 34-point lead over DeSantis. Now he's at 32, which is not the speed of movement that you want to see after a year of of effectively campaigning. Um, on the national surveys, DeSantis has gone from 18.5% to about 21%, which again is just kind of like a disastrous uh, rate of change. Um, now, this is just one poll. There's a prob- potentially outliers here. I've seen other polls that show DeSantis at more like 12% and tied with Vivek Ramaswamy, um, who is another uh, GOP hey. candidate. Like the fact that Vivek, who is not nearly the kind of national name that DeSantis is, is tied yeah. with him in some polls now is fucking disastrous. He and Trump are pretty close in terms of funding. Vivek has, has raised only a fraction of what what DeSantis has raged. So that's a pretty bad sign. Kind of a fucking disaster. One major area in which Ron lags behind Trump is his ability to draw interest and what amounts to free advertising from the media. Um, Trump famously got about a billion dollars in free publicity in 2016, thanks to relentless media coverage of his every move, gaffe, and speech. He understood it didn't matter if it was negative. It didn't matter that they were shit-talking me. What matters is that they're keeping my face out front, right? This is a thing that will bring me support. It will bring me donors. It will make my supporters see me as like this kind of gladiator fighting for them. He leaned into this shit. On the surface, Ron and Trump are kind of the same in their approach to the media and that if you go to a DeSantis speech, you go to a Trump speech, they're going to call the media the enemy of the people or some variant thereof. They're going to talk about the need to control the press. They're going to like support authoritarian measures against like free, you know, uh, the, the free press. Like, like, again, if you're kind of just looking on the surface, it seems like they have the same attitude towards the media. But the way they treat journalists is completely different in that DeSantis has no strategy with the media. He just attacks them. If you're if you're right wing media, if you're some podcaster he likes, he'll go on your show. He'll talk to you. But he ignores the liberal media. He ignores the mainstream media. But that's that's different from having a tactic for dealing with them. Trump has a strategy with the media. He will howl that they're the enemy of the people in front of crowds. He'll talk about locking up journalists. But if you like read articles about him after a speech or whatever, he always gives the press their time. He knows a lot of these guys by name. He has relationships with reporters. He's re- had relationships with like Maggie Haberman of the Times. Um, he's he's able to be like friendly with these people and social with them, which isn't like doesn't make it's not doing that to be a good person. He's doing it because like. He wants them to feel comfortable around him and cover him. Oh, and, yeah, like, and this is this is the thing that he's been doing longer than he's been a politician. Like Trump is primarily like a media guy. Like he is he is someone yeah. who's been able to very successfully manipulate public image and manipulate media in his favor for years, especially as like 
he's not like a good businessman. He's like, no, he's like a con man who's like really good. He's with a media. good promoter. So like yeah. he knows how to do this. DeSantis has none of this background. So he's just trying to copy like the the hostile vibe of Trump without understanding the actual like media backing that Trump puts into his uh, into his like relationship with uh with like with like advertising and with having you know any any amount of coverage that will get republicans be like oh this is a guy that's worth voting for yeah and we'll also that will the kind of coverage that will make independents pay attention to him right a big thing part of how a lot of negative media coverage worked for trump is that people would just see his name in the fucking news and you know so they would wind up reading and listening to a lot of what he had to say and because like you know he's getting so much coverage and because all of these media outlets have want to want to present the image of being unfair and unbiased like when trump would go out and sit down with the new york times sit down with the post sit down with, he would often get coverage that like let him say his piece let him make his case like they would because they didn't want to feel like they were being biased and he was giving them some of his time but when you just cut the media off like the santis has done you don't get that from them you don't get any of like the benefit of this sort of like idea of impartiality which cuts down on your ability to actually like reach people who might be converted to vote for you. This is highlighted particularly well in a segment from a recent New York Times article on DeSantis's difficulty getting press coverage. Quote, Assigned to cover the re-election campaign of Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, Miles Cohen, a young ABC News reporter, found himself stymied. The governor would not grant him an interview. Aides barred him from some campaign events and interrupted his conversations with supporters. When Mr. Cohen was finally able to ask a question about the governor's handling of Hurricane Ian, Mr. DeSantis shouted him down, Stop! 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 and scolded the media for trying to cast aspersions. The DeSantis campaign then taunted Mr. Cohen on Twitter, prompting a torrent of online vitriol. So on election night, Mr. Cohen decamped to a friendlier environment for the news media, Mar-a-Lago, where former President Donald J. Trump greeted reporters by name. He came up to us, asked how the sandwiches were, and took 20 questions, Mr. Cohen recalled. Mr. Trump, who heckled the fake news in his speech that evening, elevated media bashing into a high art for Republicans. But ahead of the next presidential race, potential candidates like Mr. DeSantis are taking a more radical approach, not just attacking nonpartisan news sources, but out ignoring them altogether. And um, yeah, I think that kind of like gets at the core of of what a bad strategy this is. And it shows all of the Republicans right now because of Trump's success in 2016, which we do have to remember was not based on converting a majority of Americans. It was based in part on like the electoral system and, and just raw luck that shit broke the way it did. But they are looking at like his success in 2016 and trying to copy that, but it's like a cargo cult thing, right? They don't actually understand what he did that worked. They see him bashing the media in his speeches. They're like, well, I'm going to be even harder. I'm not going to talk to the media at all. And it's like, well, you have eliminated for yourself the primary benefit that Trump drew out from this. Um, Yeah, I think the cargo cult description is great. They're they're trying to to have the appearance of doing the Trump thing without understanding why the thing worked. And like also importantly... It's not like 2016 anymore. As much as it feels like 2016 was no. the year that never ended, actually a lot has changed. And also a lot of media has gotten a bit wise to the tactics that, that Trump did. Like yeah. they're no longer yeah. going to be blasting all of his speeches every time he says something outrageous because yeah. they know that's part of his strategy. So like, yeah. the same tactics, yeah. if, if DeSantis thinks he's going to get publicity for saying some horrible thing in his speech – the, the media knows what's up now. Like they, they've they've already seen this like playbook get played. So it's not like it's you can't treat it like it's eight years ago. Yeah, I think a, a good example of this is in 2016. 
if it had come out, if Joe Biden had been the front rider, say he beats, you know, Hillary Clinton, but everything else is the same. So he's the he's the Democratic primary guy. Say it comes out that his son has been smoking crack with prostitutes and like <laughs> there's pictures of his hog everywhere and he was involved in so he gets charges against him for committing a couple of crimes. That might sink a presidential campaign in 2016. Nobody gives a shit about Hunter Biden. Like, zero moderates. Not a single vote is being changed as a result of the Hunter Biden situation in 2024. Yeah. It's a different landscape. And these people haven't... Uh, this is a, a good thing. I am frightened for when a new... You know, there's another coup in conservative politics and somebody understands that it's a different year. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but we are we are fortunate yeah. at this moment. And you know who else is fortunate? Who's that, Robert? The sponsors of this podcast, they're fortunate to have great pitchmen like James Stout. James, why don't you tell the people which meal box subscription will finally cure the gnawing pit of anxiety at the center of their life uh, and and bring them both both peace and the love of Jesus Christ? Yeah, absolutely. We're probably going to have to uh, we're going to have to bleat some shit out here, but uh, absolutely. When not. the uh, no, I personally love. Uh, been a big chicken wing fan my whole life until the mm-hmm. baby's arms from oh, the yeah. apron arrived. Yeah. They are delicious little little fatty arms from freshly mm-hmm. harvested babies. And I've felt better inside and out since mm-hmm. uh, I started eating children. Yeah. Just remember our our motto. Uh nothing's wafficking like human trafficking <laughs> shit. Go to <laughs> go to HelloFresh.com, use promo code Children Arms for a ten percent discount on blue, your first blue, box. Blue Apron. Yeah, Actually yeah. cut HelloFresh there. <laughs> <laughs> They're giving us a lot of money. It's blue apron we shit on. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play ah we're back and we're thinking about how there's one food box company who's been accused of a lot of malfeasance and another food box company who are i think it's safe to say christ-like you know uh honestly and uh, jesus jesus inspired to uh, yeah uh, Mm -hmm. at the very least yeah, well, the absolutely. reason Jesus uh, actually uh, rose from the dead was to consume a breakfast uh, That's made right. by Blue Apron. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jesus, big, big omelet guy, huge omelet guy. 
Anyway, I don't know. That's, That's not really a joke. Um, so Ron DeSantis has long ignored any media not guaranteed to be fawningly indulgent of him for political reasons. This worked well in Florida. He's been able to get by by attacking centrist and liberal media and embracing a constellation of far-right podcasters and Fox News. But Florida is not the United States, and a governor's race is not a federal election. He simply can't succeed against Trump with the same tactics that worked in Florida's uh, or against Florida's anemic state Democratic Party. When he's tried to rebuke the naysayers who see his cause as largely doomed, DeSantis has tried to publicly downplay the significance of national polls. This is one of my favorite things. Whenever people point out, like, your polls have not moved in a year and you've spent millions and millions of dollars, he'll be like, I don't trust those polls. Those polls don't really matter. You can't trust the poll. Look at how wrong the polls were in 2016. Um, yeah, he's called I've, articles. I've, yeah. I've seen him use that line a lot. Look, yeah. l- look how wrong the polls were in 2016. Okay, okay Ron. Yeah, I uh, I don't think they were not off by thirty four points. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can see clearly how he's making his case currently to donors in private because a memo that he sent out to a bunch of his high dollar donors leaked recently. There's been a number of websites that have written about it, but we have like this memo which is fascinating. Um, it was sent out to a bunch of big dollar donors to a super PAC. So these are the people who are not limited by like ca- campaign contributions because it's to a super okay. PAC. Um, so these are like the the thick pockets people. So we get an idea of how he is marketing his campaign right now that it's in a, a crisis. Um, and it starts with a state of the race update with a subtitle, the ballot is very fluid. <laughs> Early state voters are only softly committed to the candidates they select on a ballot question this far out, including many Trump supporters. Our focus group participants in the early states even say they don't plan on making up their mind until they meet the candidates or watch them debate. Well, we know Trump's floor is 25%. That leaves three quarters of the electorate willing to consider other viable options. What has not changed are the candidates who are realistically being courted by the electorate. As it has been for the last year, Trump and DeSantis remain the only viable options for two-thirds of the likely Republican primary electorate. While Tim Scott has earned a serious look at this stage, his bio is lacking the fight that our electorate is looking for in the next president. We expect Tim Scott to receive appropriate scrutiny in the weeks ahead. We found low to no interest in Vivek, Burgum, and Nikki, while too many voters will not consider Pence or Christie for them to be remotely viable. Now, I agree about Pence and Christie. Neither of those people is going to be the the primary candidate. But again, Vivek in some polls is right up there with uh, Ron DeSantis. So... Yeah. Note that neither of them's going to win. Great, great sign. Yeah. yeah. The memo goes on to note uh, and to sort of admit that their efforts in other primary states have have hit a wall. And they're basically like, we're giving up in Iowa and, and Ohio, kind of. We're not going to be putting new resources into them. We're just going to throw everything we've got into New Hampshire. Um, there's a couple of reasons for this, but I think it's largely that they don't think they can win in those other early states, and they know they desperately need an early win to have any hope of building up yeah. momentum. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, language like this from the memo has to have experienced Republican politicos nervous. While Super Tuesday is critically important, we will not dedicate resources to Super Tuesday that st- slow our momentum in New Hampshire. We expect <laughs> to revisit this investment in the fall. I, I'm sure you will. Not a great sign, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the I'm memo sure wall. Yeah, I'm sure. You'll, I'm sure you'll be re- re- revisiting a lot of things in the fall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The memo also mind. claims Governor DeSantis and his message are thriving in town hall engagements. So basically, when Ron gets in front of people, they see his magnetic charisma. They really like him once he gets a chance to shine in front of them. <laughs> now, there's been no evidence in polling 
Uh, he's been in front of people quite a bit, and he's not very impressive. Most of the social media response to his public appearances have been people making fun of the way he eats in public. Like, <laughs> there's like six or seven different videos out that are him trying to eat something and looking like a goober and people making fun of him. Whereas, like, again, Trump has, because he's actually charismatic, Trump can, like, sit in a truck and look like a doofus playing truck driver and everybody's like look at that guy even people who hate him are like well that's kind of endearing look at him he's honking the horn he's pretending to be a big truck driver um you know meatball ron i mean we call him meatball ron because of a food related gaffe uh putting ron too putting ron too he's just a disaster in public (laughs) There are some useful bits in this leaked document. This is the part of the document where the DeSantis campaign is like trying to lay out what they see as his assets as a candidate. And again, the goal of this is to get big dollar donors to give him more money. So this is them making the case as to why Ron is worth further further investment. We found that when voters hear about the governor's bio, principally as a dad and as a veteran, they like him and are open to hearing more about him. This is to say nothing of his successes on parental rights, his leadership bringing Florida's economy back during and after COVID, fighting illegal immigration and, ex- and ensuring border act uh, security, that he's not just a fighter, but most importantly, a winner. A major paid media effort featuring the governor's bio will help us to convert. Three big issues that, and you know, that's again, so the three big issues he's he's highlighting, that he says, like, these are the things that are going to get voters onto us, enough of them that we can overcome Trump's 25% floor, are anti-immigration stuff. Well, I'm sorry, man, Trump's got you beat there. The wall is his, right? Uh, DeSantis the, has tried to go one step further. I don't know if you saw his press conference in Texas where he advocated uh, The birthright citizenship shooting. thing. Yeah. No, just shooting people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he said, quote, drop a few of them. Yeah, um, we, I, he's trying to, but again, he's, he, he just talked about what's interesting to me. He opens this memo by starting like, look, Trump's got a 25% floor of support, but you know, there's that other three quarters of people we can get. And yet, when you are talking about gunning people down at the border, you're just trying to take that 25% from Trump. You are not reaching yeah. out to like the people who are less maniac, right? He's He's trying, like- Again, it's just bad strategy. It's a bad strategy within the context of what his people have laid out as a strategy, right? Like if the yeah. good strategy is go for the other 75% of the voters, well, you probably don't do that by promising to be even harder on the border. Yeah, it, anyway. it, and he doesn't really even have, like to, to obviously Trump didn't have a coherent border policy either. Uh, yeah. But he had a thing, right? Like he had a sort of shiny thing. That he he had three about. words that were very powerful. Build the wall. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, that, if DeSantis thinks Americans are ready for shoot them all, right? You can which, try that. But yeah. he's not. He's like trying to do this weasel. Th- anyway, it's just not, it, there's just not any evidence of an actual tactic there, of an understanding yeah. of like what people find appealing and how to highlight it. He's not doing it yet. He's not, dis- he's not, if you're a donor, he's not, uh, exhibiting the idea that he knows how to copy what Trump did and do it one better. Like your goal here, at, if you're running against Trump, based on kind of what they lay out is what their strategy needs to be, which is get the other 75% of people to back us instead of Trump. You need to be, you you, you don't need to be yes-anding. You, you are acknowledging by laying that out as the strategy that Trump, uh, his appeal is, there's a, he's got a dedicated base of appeal, but it's limited. And so if you are trying to make the case that you're more electable than him, you need to show how you have a wider 
base of a, like a wider appeal than he does. And you don't do that by being like, I'm even shittier on the border. Like, yeah. anyway, just a bad yeah. strategy. Um, since he doesn't have a strong case to make in absolute numbers, Ron's campaign has made the call to push heavily on the forgotten man narrative, arguing a soft conspiratorial view that a cabal of shady elites is colluding to ruin American greatness. Uh, here's another quote from that memo. Equally important, we will offer an economic message to disrupt and win economy voters. American decline was not an accident. It was a choice. Our elites do not consider themselves Americans so much as they think of themselves as citizens of the world. Their loyalty is not to a discrete nation, but to the bottom line on a balance sheet. And the decisions they made in leading this country over the past few decades has reflected that worldview. They have governed in their interests rather than ours. And I do think there's a germ of something interesting there. There's a, there's this idea of like economic populism which was a, a factor in Trump's campaign. It's interesting to me how close Ron's idea is to like outright anti-Semitic conspiracy theory language. Like, yeah, they don't recognize borders. Uh, they're citizens of the world, which is, a you know, very similar to a lot of the arguments that like the Nazis would make about the Jews is that like, they're a borderless people who exist within this like financial system um, rather than like our national like co-citizens, right? Um, it's interesting to me that he's got that this in that memo. Um, again, I don't think it's a good strategy. I think the way Trump Trump's just better at doing this, right? At like he's made himself like there's a lot of people who consider Trump like their kind of guy, like a working class dude, even though he's a billionaire <laughs> with a gold toilet. Um, I don't see that DeSantis has the ability to like win that kind of support from working people no um, he he tried really hard to go to push his like his military record as part of a like yeah sort of i'm a normal dude kind of thing but it doesn't seem to have stuck the landing at all like again he just yeah i just did it in a clumsy and an awkward way yeah i mean in part because like the thing he's got to hang on like that he was this fucking dude doing sketchy shit at guantanamo isn't like even conservatives don't feel great about that right yeah he like, tried earlier to push like he was a leaguer he was a jag officer like yeah. attached to a seal team but yeah he tried to call himself a seal yeah i think he like i i think he flew a little bit too close to the sun on that one <laughs> and again like yeah. he fucked up and alienated the people he was trying to appeal to and i also i do kind of wonder it, it was like sort of taken as read for some time that having military experience was like a positive aspect in a in a campaign that it would like win you a lot of conservative voters yeah. and whatnot. I don't know that that's really the case. Yeah, anymore. the uh, like, certainly I don't see like the, a lot of evidence for it. Like people certainly hug. like shout it when they serve, but I don't know that it really works for them. Yeah, I think that's more of a like a I, I don't know if I'm using the right phrasing here, like a traditional Republican value, yeah. not like a post-Trump Republican value. Because Trump is like on record as being like, no, only idiots serve in the military. I'm a smart <laughs> yeah. man. And like, yeah. that didn't seem to hurt him at all. Um, <laughs> but you know who else hates veterans? Oh, yeah. Several of the uh, the food box delivery companies. That's they right. actually, they just won't just mm -hmm. give them food. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They, are, nope. they are actively, every one of our supporters is wiping their ass with uh, whatever flag the Navy uses. I assume they have a flag, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Special Navy flag. It yeah. works underwater too. Very special flag. Oh, that's good. That's good. An underwater flag. That's what we need to bring mm -hmm. nationalism to the fish. Happy 
Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. We're back. So I wanted to close out by kind of looking at a segment of DeSantis supporters, uh, the find people behind my favorite reliable media institution, LegalInsurrection.com. Oh, good. Um, Now, this is a kind of libertarian right themed news website. They're like, Boy, I, I do want you to look up legalinsurrection.com because their website's very interesting. It like starts with this like phonetic breakdown of the phrase legal insurrection, like that's their logo, then includes yeah. like a definition, arising up against established authority, rebellion, revolt, in conformity with or permitted by law. That's a nonsense phrase because there's no such thing as a permitted legal insurrection. We had this argument actually, like back in around 1860, and uh, guess where it ended? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not saying it's bad to have an insurrection. I think some insurrections are potentially really good, but they're never legal. Otherwise, they're not yeah. an insurrection. Yeah, that's, yeah. the scene that's a silly of idea. insurrection is illegality. Yeah, like one way or the other. I think it's this idea, these people who like pretend to be libertarians, they still have this like sacred sort of reverence for the law. They can't just say like, yeah, I believe in overthrowing the government. No, no, no. What I'm doing is actually obeying the real law. The people in charge are obeying laws that are illegal and fake. But like, I know the real law. So what I'm not, I'm not a criminal. Like, no, nah, man, just be like, yeah, man, I'm a criminal. I want to, I want to overthrow you the government. Crimes. You know what's yeah. cool is being a criminal who wants to overthrow the government. We all love criminals. This is why Star Wars is the biggest movie series. We love criminals who want to overthrow <laughs> yeah. the government. That's who the founding fathers of this country yes, were. It, it's a like, very American thing to love. <laughs> you, you shouldn't have to be like, no, but ours is illegal. And so, no, fuck it. You're a criminal. You're cool. You're fucking Al Capone. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, it's very, very cucked to have a legal yeah, insurrection. It is very cucked. Anyway, here's an article from LegalInsurrection.com who bafflingly backs Ron DeSantis. 
Florida government Ron DeSantis is serious about restoring executive branch agencies and rebuilding trust with the American people who've been shocked and appalled at the weaponization of government by the Biden administration. And before that, the Obama administration. The federal government, specifically the executive branch alphabet agencies, has been completely corrupted by the Obama-Biden and now the Biden-Harris administrations. We all know it, and we're all disgusted and disheartened by the myriad ways the Obama administration targeted political opponents. That's why Trump's 2016 campaign to drain the swamp was so potent. We knew the depth and breadth of the corruption, the partisan banana republic-style attacks on political opponents, and we wanted it stopped. Unfortunately, Trump was not able to drain the swamp at all, not even a little bit. So when Biden took office in 2021, he just got to work picking up Obama's attacks on dissent with the deep state still fully embedded through the executive branch. Having spent the intervening years openly working as the resistance to Trump's the duly elected president's agenda. God, it's such... First off, Yes. Very funny that they're trying to like make the resistance to be anything but like Twitter libs. Uh, yes. yeah. Like, I do find it funny that they're like <laughs> fucking trying to treat this like a boogeyman. I'm just yeah, like leading the maquis through the through the I don't know forest <laughs> of Georgia and blowing up fucking train tracks is extremely amusing to me. It's just sad, but it does get at something, right? This attitude among a lot of Republicans, particularly the guys who really like DeSantis, that. The deep state is really powerful. These um, federal law enforcement agencies are fundamentally like fighting against us, and we have to build an ability to compete with them. And this is, I actually think, we've been mostly talking about like the weaknesses and the dumb shit about DeSantis's campaign. <laughs> I think a strength he has not uh, uh, maybe capitalized on enough is this idea, because this is something Trump proved he was unable to do. Like he 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 didn't go in there and unseat the deep state. And DeSantis has actually been kind of effective at resisting the federal government um, and even sidelining some federal agencies within Florida. Um, and there's some actual like potential for strength here with Trump's base. I don't know that this gets you moderates, but like it's weird to me that he hasn't pushed this harder. Part of that may be the fact that he's like everything else really bad at it. Kind of his his strongest attempt to provide sort of a countervailing force to federal law enforcement um, was his activation of the Florida uh, State Guard, which uh, 17 or so states have state guards. It's just kind of like a state version of a National Guard, potentially. Um, Florida's had not been active in a while, and he reactivated them, claiming that it was going to be a force of volunteers who could respond to hurricanes and other public emergencies. But what he was actually doing was trying to create a paramilitary organization. He is in the process of attempting to do this now. Um, these people are undergoing like military training and whatnot. Um, he's trying to get them access to like weaponry. Like this is potentially kind of concerning, but he's really fucking bad at it. There was a really interesting New York Times article recently that kind of goes into the uh, the problems the Florida State Guard have had sort of spinning up. Um, and it's a very funny read because it's like, it's like a little kid's idea about how you would build a paramilitary organization. Um, so on paper, the governor's office has said that one of the guard's missions would be, quote, to ensure Florida remains fully fortified to respond not only to natural disasters, but also to protect its people and borders from illegal aliens and civil unrest. And then the New York Times article continues, the deployment this spring has been mired in internal turmoil, with some recruits complaining that what was supposed to be a civilian disaster response organization had become heavily militarized, requiring volunteers to participate in marching drills and military-style training ses sessions on weapons and hand-to-hand -hand combat. 
combat. At least 20% of the 150 people initially accepted into the program dropped out or were dismissed. And if you get into this, the people dropping out are like the veterans. They're like military officers and stuff who got into this thing and then are like, I was in the military for 20 years. You know, I did a deploy deployments here and here. And I came into this thing and it's a bunch of civilians dressed as soldiers yelling at me to do push-ups and march in a field. And like trying to be an asshole to me because they're angry that like I have military experience and they think they know better. Um, <laughs> like it is like the, the volunteers said the training seemed poorly structured with an inordinate amount of time spent as one of them described it marching in fields. Some of the men said that as veterans with years of experience <laughs> in the military, they were offended when they were yelled at by junior instructors acting like drill sergeants who disregarded their previous ranks. <gasps> <laughs> I find this really fucking funny. Have, have you guys seen those videos coming out about like there are these classes where if you're like a rich or you know upper middle class dude, you can pay like ten grand to spend five days doing a fake version of the yes. Navy Seals Hell Week. Like you roll, you're you're like yeah, grinding, incredible. Like, like yeah, you're like carry, like hitting stuff with big hammers. Uh, you're like crawling on your back through rocks. You're doing all these like shitty painful yeah. exercises while like some dude who probably fucking got an other than honorable separation from the Marine Corps as a p private second class, like screams at you a lot. And it's, you know, it, that's what you feel. Yeah, while you need riding in your a life. one wheel. Have you seen yeah, that one? Yeah. Rolling around on a one wheel yelling at you that you're, you know, just like it's, making up bullshit reasons to be angry at you because uh, idiots who honestly have it like, yeah, <laughs> it sounds like a weird mix of like expensive LARPing and like a and like a repressed kink thing for for these guys. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, that's it's a what's repressed happening. kink. Yeah, it's yeah. A, yeah. As a, a as lot a of guys British who watched the, I've seen this the movie Full Metal Jacket and number one didn't watch all of it because like R. Lee Ermey or whatever his name was character there, like the really mean drill sergeant, gets murdered after like emotionally abusing one of his recruits. Like, kind of a big part of the movie. Um, but just saw him like making fun, like yelling at people and making up fun insults. And we're like, well, that's got to be key to teaching people how to fight. Garrison, have you seen Full Metal Jacket? I have not seen Full Metal Jacket. You'd actually probably like it. It's good. There's, there's some interesting parts of that movie. Well, well shot. But yeah, I, I do think it's really funny. Like there's potentially, this is one of those things, potentially very scary to have a far right elected leader building his own paramilitary force that is answerable only to him right yeah. that is a frightening thing yeah i'm not like, saying we like, shouldn't be concerned about him trying this but he's so shitty at that's it. like dictator 101 yeah yeah like it, it makes sense that he would try it i mean like yeah i i would never want to be a governor because i think that's an immoral thing to do but if i if i was to be yeah an authoritarian I'm, I'm, governor i would want one. my own hit squad Step one, make your own army. And it, it says a lot about Ron, number one, that of all of the different things he's tried to do, this is the only one that seems like, oh, you might actually be able to get a lot of Trump voters to switch over to you if you promise them, I'm going to do this nationwide. And you, as a guy who didn't join the army but is pretty sure he would have been good at it, can like become a militant commander in your like state guard thing that I'm going to establish. You might get some votes. I don't think you'd win a lot of moderates, but you might get the base away from Trump, right? It's it's just so clearly a brown shirts ripoff. Yeah. Like it's just like it's so blatant that it's like it's it's like it's like it's like he's like poorly copying someone else's homework. Yeah. I mean, like like oh, I don't 
a lot of his campaign has that vibe that he's like yeah. just poorly copying someone else's homework. Like I don't know that this would work, and I still think he would have it would be a long shot that he would have any chance of beating Trump. But if he were to be like, I'm going to establish a state guard where conservatives can get access to military grade weaponry and the right to carry their handguns everywhere. Yeah. Uh you might get I don't again, I don't think you win a general that way, but you might get the base away from Trump with that. It's it's at least more creative than anything else he's tried. Anyway. This is all a bad idea. I want to close by reading one last anecdote from that New York Times article on Ron Meatball Ron's attempt to make an army. A 51-year-old former Marine captain who had retired from the military with a disability and later joined the State Guard also clashed with instructors during initial boot camp last month, raising concerns about the training. In an assault complaint filed with the Clay County Sheriff's Office, the man said he was accused by the State Guard commander of being the leader of the group that had been criticizing the organization and its leadership. He was then forcibly pushed into a van against his objections and driven to the command post, where he was fired and escorted off base. Of the nine original State Guard recruiters and commanders, who spent months recruiting for the organization, fewer than a third remained. The staff director, who had been a proposition of the less militarized version of the group, appointed in January, was removed from his post just two days before the inaugural graduation. The program's personnel director was fired this week. So, good. Sounds like it's going great over there in Florida. Sounds like Meatball Ron <laughs> knows how to make an army. Um, I don't know, folks. That's, uh, that's my episode on... Uh, on the Ron DeSantis campaign, and how he's doing. I hope you all enjoyed this little update. We're done. Cool. Stay tuned for a Vivek Ramaswamy episode. Yeah, uh, which is just going to be me making fart noises into the microphone. You'll get everything you need on Vivek here. Look, it's going to be Trump. Unless he dies, in which case, yeah. boy, yeah. that could be interesting. I mean, I, I just, like... DeSantis could have waited four years and, the, <laughs> yeah. and, and then he could have had the yeah. backing of Trump to help. Yes. Like, he, he, I don't, he's such a, he's, he's such a weird little like power it's, goblin. Cause like, yeah, I mean, if, if he was so may try to do that, Trump has gone back and forth on people in the past, but it's such a weird call to like make this doomed play at it to build like this bad, like you're going to piss some people off. Yeah. Why? Yeah, anyway, I, I, yeah, I remember us doing an episode not so long ago about DeSantis and being like, well, he'll just wait four years until Trump's out the picture. But no, he fucking defied our expectations by mm -hmm. torpedoing his own presidential chances. Yeah. And uh, that's why I love him. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. 
Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.